everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alleycast podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Baltazar. And this is actually a pretty full weekly recap, so we'll just dive straight into it. We have Catskiball news of both varieties, and then of course we have the Volleycats and soccer in the wacky segment of the week, but let's just start into the big news that you know we're super late on, but in case you've been living under a rock, uh, the head Catskiball coach for the men's team has been extended to the 2029-2030 season, and that being Jerome Tang, of course. What was your you know, instant thoughts other than happy? Um, I kind of didn't really have many thoughts on it other than I thought it would maybe be for a little bit more money. And I uh, additionally, I just wasn't super surprised. It had been rumored for months at this point that I'd almost forgotten it hadn't happened. Mm-hmm. So when it did happen, it just wasn't a, a big monumentous moment for me it was just something that happened where i can just look at that and say okay i'm glad that's official now now we can move on yeah we can move on with our lives that's that's pretty much how i felt as well as you know it was awesome to have it finally written in stone and you know it's just listen man i just love jerome tang (laughs) i know that's not a very unique take but you just gotta love him. You know, I also love Jerome Tang, as luck would have it. So I'm very happy that he's gonna be sticking around, uh, hopefully for a long time at K State. Uh, so very happy it got done. Of course, I I don't mean to sound unenthusiastic about it, but it's just <laughs> that uh, I I just wasn't surprised. Yeah. But that's pretty much all we have to say about that. Other people have gotten hotter takes on it than I, than us. But what we can talk about is similar in the same vein. We have the men's and women's catskiball schedules, which got released. Which, you know, just going through the notable games here, you of course have the Vegas game up against USC. You have the uh, Bahamas Championship, which first game's up against Providence. And we could see Nigel Pack again playing in Miami. Or at Miami, I should say. Villanova, LSU, both notable. And, of course, the Wildcat Classic in Kansas City against Wichita State. And, of course, Nub at home. Yeah. They're not very good, but it is a rivalry. So True. Uh, happy to host them, I guess. Uh, we beat them twice uh, in this series now. I think we have two more games on it. I think we have the game here, and then I think we play them at a neutral site in Omaha, maybe? Because I'm pretty sure it was a four-game series. Either that or we have a four-game with Wichita State. I, I get those mixed up. Could be both, actually. Maybe so. I can't remember. But yeah. Then we open the conference slate up against UCF. You're getting to notice a pattern, I guess, this year. Yeah. UCF at home at that. So. UCF at home. So they're really trying to make the K-State-UCF rivalry thing, aren't they? That clearly is the focus of ESPN going forward is to market K-State and UCF as the conference's (laughs) premier matchup year in, year out. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, you get both Iowa State and KU home and homes for conference play. We do manage to only get Texas away, which is such a shame. I believe we also only get Tech away. So our our away slate is not very easy because we get at Houston, we get at Texas Tech, at West Virginia, and then at Texas, and at Cincy. Yeah, and 
Yeah, that, that's I mean that's brutal. Any Big Twelve slate is going to be pretty brutal. I kind of thought we'd get home and home with Baylor. I figured they may want to push that, but not only do we only play them once, it's going to be on Big Twelve now on ESPN Plus. I definitely figure that would get to the networks. I think that gets flexed. I would hope it does. Maybe Baylor's not expected to be great this year. I haven't really done any basketball preview for the rest of the conference other than <laughs> KU is definitely going to be really good. Because but, they always are. Yeah. I mean, that's the extent of the basketball previewing that I've really done. Uh, that, of course, for K-State. But, I don't know, a few scheduling things, I guess, that are noteworthy. Um, we have a really interesting and non-conference uh, slate of games uh, starting towards the latter part of a conference uh, where you get Villanova, then at LSU, then home against Nebraska, and then right after that you get Wichita State on the road. So that's a pretty important slate of games right there, right before you get a pretty long break in between the Wichita State game and the next game against Chicago State. Uh, you have the December 21st game in the T-Mobile, the Sprint Center is what I'm so going to call it. I'm pretty It's not the T-Mobile Center, it's yeah. the Sprint Center. Uh, yeah, that December 21st game against Wichita State uh, in KC. Then uh, you don't play again until January 2nd uh, against Chicago State. So you've got a pretty long break in there without K-State basketball, which was probably going to sting because I think this is going to be another really exciting and fun team. Uh, so it's going to be something when they're not on for a night, I'm going to be looking forward to the next game because that's how a lot of last year was. I hated when we didn't play a basketball game because I loved watching the team so much. So I imagine it'll be a, a big year. That then of course we have a couple big Monday games. Uh, KU uh, at home on Big Monday. That was at one point when I was younger. That was like a yearly tradition, basically. Uh, KU and Bramlage was Big Monday. That I think we have Big Monday with uh, at Texas. That's it. Uh, and then we have one other Monday game, but it's not Big Monday. It's just West Virginia, and we play them on ESPNU. It's it's on Monday, but it's not Big Monday. Yeah. So, <laughs> but still getting on Big Monday twice. Uh, in one year, that's a welcome change. We haven't been on there much uh, for a while. So, but all in all, pretty happy with the slate. Um, would have liked to have gotten a little bit more um, high competition at home for conference. That's not really in our control, though. No. I would have liked to get Houston at home. I think that would have been really fun. The road slate's so brutal. Yeah, it's going to be tough, especially that Iowa, at Iowa State at Houston uh uh, slate back to back. Those are going to be two really tough games. Uh, not looking forward to that. But uh, regardless, still going to be a really fun basketball season. Also, interesting TV note: the USC games on TNT, uh, which I thought was um, a little out of left field. Uh, I'm pure for it. I really like TNT as a basketball broadcaster. I was just a little bit surprised to see that. Yeah, that in our um, ter- early season tournament will actually be viewable. On uh, semi-normal television. Yippee! So, yeah, not everybody has CBS Sports Network, but at least some people do. At least it's not like, what is it, Flow Hoops? Yeah, Flow Hoops. Yeah, that, granted, did lead to some fun, very legal streams of it. Yeah, exactly. But still. But maybe we get, an, we get another chance to do it this year with the women's team, because the women's team also released their schedule course are beginning with a uh, exhibition up against pitt state uh gorillas i guess i guess so <laughs> not in this case but in a, as a general sense mm-hmm. we say as two people going to washburn law um 
In terms of notable non-conference games, at Iowa would be a big one. I imagine they're probably not very happy <laughs> with how the game went last year. Yeah, I mean, they're not only going to want revenge for last year, maybe more primarily, they're going to want to prove themselves after dropping the national title. They're going to have even more fire to get back there. Uh, so that has the makings of a very, very difficult game uh, yeah. up in um uh, Iowa City. And we won't have Sarah Shamatsi to go flamethrower mode up against schools from Iowa for some yeah. reason. So we're going to have to pick another random player to hate the state of Iowa. Gisella? Uh, maybe. I don't know. She's, <laughs> I guess. I mean. <laughs> she was shooting like 45 from three at FIBA. I guess that's true. So maybe that'll be her. But if that's the case, I'd rather she just shoot well all year. So. I guess that's true. But then we get the other part of the series we started with Wisconsin last year. And then, of course, the Flow Hoops tournament on the Gulf Coast in Estero, Florida, which is uh, Western Kentucky, North Carolina, Vermont, and then whoever. Uh, we do play MU in St. Joseph, which is a very strange like neutral site to pick on yeah. December 9th. Yeah, they're calling it the Bill Snyder Classic because it's at William Jewell. Oh, okay. And... Uh... I don't know why we're playing Missouri for it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what compelled them to play to play us. I'm glad that we're playing them, I guess. Um, but, yeah, definitely an interesting choice. But, hey, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And then we open the conference slate with uh, Cincy, Houston, and at UCF. At, at Cincy versus Houston and then at UCF. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get to dodge Texas this year. In fact, we get them twice. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Every year. <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of hoping we'd only have to see them maybe once and hopefully a home, but yeah, we're getting them two times, so we're not going to be able to avoid uh, getting consistently fouled the entire game. And then have it not be called. Yeah, so it's going to be pretty unfortunate to have to go up against them. Uh, but other than that, this is a pretty standard uh, conference slate. We get KU twice, we get Iowa State twice. We only get Baylor once, and it's in Waco. Yeah, so hopefully... Uh, we can take care of business. Uh, that'll be tough, but it's doable, I suppose, especially if we have Aoka Lee back. Uh, but this is a pretty fine uh, conference slate, I'd say. Yeah, I, that's sort of what I would say. I'd sort of qualify it as fine. But, you know, just seeing the schedule released for this team, it got me even more excited for women's basketball, which... I know you, you've been right there alongside me, but I've been screaming from the mountaintops for this team, <laughs> and it has the potential to hurt me. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, there's a lot riding on the success of this year's women's basketball team. Their expectations are very high, I would say. Uh, it's going to be a major letdown uh, if they don't have the season that we think that they're capable of having. Uh, because this is probably the most talented team that Jeff Mitty has had, and I don't think it's really close. It's not. Uh, so there's really no reason for them not to comfortably make the second weekend, I'd say. But we're still just going to have to wait and see on that, because it, K-State women's basketball has not had a history uh, as of late of getting to the second weekend. It's been tough to even get there at all. So uh, we need to kind of buck the trend this year. I get that women's basketball is a really top-heavy sport, and it's just so, so difficult uh, to keep up with uh, some of those top schools. Um, but this is the year to make a push if you're going to make one. Yeah. It's a, it's a 
it's a race to see who gets the honor of getting schwacked by South Carolina, UConn, or LSU. Yeah. Featuring sometimes North Carolina State. Yeah, it's going to be one of those teams uh, for sure. Uh, South Carolina is, of course, always a good bet. LSU is the favorite for all eternity right now. Um, UConn, I guess it depends on if Paige Becker stays healthy, which has not been a sure thing the last yep. couple of years. So, Yeah, I... God, this team, this team will be so exciting to watch, and then one game will break me, and then the next game will bring me right back, and it'll be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> if this team, we said it last year, but this year it's, it goes the same. If we can consistently uh, make outside shooting, then this team's ceiling is just so high. But that's just the issue, is we need to be consistent outside shooters, which... At pretty much no point in the Jeff Mitty era have we been consistent outside shooters. No. We've had, like, one or two per team, but... Sometimes. Sometimes. But we uh, we don't even need to be elite shooters or great shooters. We just need to be consistently solid shooters or consistently average. We need to shoot 30, and we probably are, like, a top 15 team in the country. Yeah. and If we shoot 30% from three. Yeah. That... that Unfortunately, it's asking for a lot based off what we've seen as of late. But I still remember the 0 for 27 game. Well, I don't really want to think about that right now, so let's <laughs> move on. But yeah, so get excited for both of the women's, both of the basketball teams, men's and women's. But that is looking towards the future. Now we can look towards what has already happened, starting with the Volley Cats, who came up with a massive victory up against TCU. In the second game of their little mini-series they had, uh, TCU was receiving votes, and I believe at one point was ranked this year, and the K-State had gotten swept with them the previous day. They were undaunted by this fact and ended up winning uh, three sets to two. TCU took the first set 25-23, K-State the second and third 25-22 and 25-19, TCU the fourth 27-25, and then K-State in the final frame. 15 to 13. This is a massive victory, and I would say probably, as it stands right now, the marquee victory for the man, like the beginning of the Mansfield era. Which is, I I hope to say, it's not the only one, but I hope that this is just the beginning of a collection of really good victories under his tenure. Yeah. Um huge way to respond after a pretty bad showing the night before um tcu still had 20 blocks which was uh terrifying and horrific uh but we had 12 of our own which is still pretty good despite the fact we were out blocked significantly yep uh 12 is still i think pretty high above average so the tcu just was out of this world they're gonna do that to people yeah but we, we did counter with 11 aces to their six uh so we were able to um fight back in some ways but yeah, I mean, this to watch it uh, on uh, ESPN Plus. This was one of the more entertaining volleyball games I had watched uh, since I've really started following uh, K State volleyball. It was fantastic. It was back and forth, and both teams were really into it and playing high level volleyball. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, this was one of the first games where uh, Mansfield's team really looked comfortable because uh, we completely kept up with a really good team. In TCU, TCU is a very good volleyball team with some fantastic athletes. Mm-hmm. On a, a, a Para, I forget her first name, but Para was 
unbelievable. Melanie. Yeah, Melanie Parra. She was really, really, really good uh, for TCU. Uh, she had 22 kills. Uh, but K-State was able to uh, not get blown out at any point. All of our sets were close, whether we won or lost. Uh, and we really looked like we belonged against a really good team. And it was so much fun to watch. Uh, this this was the most entertaining volleyball game of the year so far for K-State. And probably the, the best game that they've played. Uh, yeah, I don't think you're going to be much pushback on yeah, that. Yeah, like competitively. Uh, we, we saw some people that we haven't seen of as much, uh, especially Brenna Schmidt. Uh, she uh, got the nod to start. Um, and I've really not seen much of her at all throughout the early parts of the year. Um, she looked like she belonged. She did a really great job in the middle as a middle blocker. I mean, she's six foot six. I'd hope that she would be good at blocking <laughs> in the middle. Uh, but she led the team in blocks of six. So she was really, really good. I uh, can't say enough about uh, what a quality win uh, this was for K-State. Uh, hopefully a season-turning uh, type of win. Yeah. Uh, in terms of stat leaders, Aaliyah Carter led with kills in 18. Anaya Clinton second with 17. Sheila Myers with nine. Liz Gorski had four aces. Cindy Bolding had three. Izzy Sholshevsky had two. Sounded sad about that. <laughs> uh, Brenna Schmidt, six blocks. Cindy Bolding, five. Anaya Clinton with five. Izzy Sholshevsky with 32 assists. Lauren Hinkle with 20. And Mackenzie Morris with three. Mackenzie Morris also had 30 digs, which, again, that's just what Mackenzie Morris kind of does. Uh, Lauren Hinkle, 12. And then Izzy Sholshevsky with 12. Yeah. So, I mean, great stats across the board for K-State. Of course, they're all going to look really good because, you know, you play five sets. Yeah. You're going to have better stats. Uh, and they also said on the broadcast that K-State, I think at the time of this game, like eight of their 12 or 11 games had been three sets, whether they won or lost. So, K-State wasn't playing very long games uh, up until this game. Uh, but, yeah, going to full five uh, against a really quality opponent. Uh, pretty impressive. Yeah. Especially picking up the result. And then an equally impressive performance in in the sense that you know, it was a good win where you had a little bit of everything was up against West Virginia, who's an okay-ish team, but <laughs> you know, ended up sweeping them 27-25, 25-19, and 25-20. Um, the biggest concern I think that we had with this game, actually I'll let you articulate it because you were the one who said it first. We kept them in it. Yeah, I I think there's a, a fair way to put. I think that's a fair way to put it. We looked better than West Virginia, really this entire match, uh, but we didn't really ever truly pull away uh, in the way that we should have. Um, despite otherwise playing a really good game where we looked like we were clearly the better team, uh, there was it just wasn't our best game that we've ever played. We uh, had some defensive lapses that allowed a few runs uh, from West Virginia. Uh, we still played well. We had five aces to their one. Uh, we um, out-hit them significantly. We hit 324 as a team on the day with just 10 errors, uh, including an um, errorless second set. Uh, we, we were good. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's just that we probably could have won by more, which, again, that's a... Uh, I don't know. It's a... a Kind of first world problem. Statement. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a kind of a first world problem, I guess, with uh, K State right now. Like, how are we complaining after how the season was going earlier? But I guess that's how expectations change quickly. But yeah. um, K State, 
Um, to get into the stats, Shaylee Myers led in this game with 11 kills. Aaliyah Carter right behind her with 10. And then Brenna Schmidt coming out of nowhere uh, to get third on the team with 8 kills. We were making an effort to get her involved offensively in the middle, and it worked most of the time. Uh, and then Aces, Aaliyah Carter had 2. Mackenzie Morris also had 2. And Sydney Bolding had 1. Sydney Bolding had four blocks, Anaya Clinton had two, Shaylee Myers had two. She's not listed on here, but Aaliyah Carter had a fantastic uh, solo block. Uh, I think in the third set, uh, that's worth mentioning, because she was out on an island uh, completely by herself and had an incredible block. Uh, so she deserves a shout-out for that. Uh, Lauren Hinkle had 23 assists in this match. Izzy Zolzeski had 16, and then Aaliyah Carter added one. Uh, and then Diggs. Mackenzie Morris, of course, led with 15. Liz Gregorski had eight and then Aaliyah Carter had five. So Aaliyah Carter all over uh, the uh, um, stat leaders page. Uh, seeing Brenna Schmidt uh, up there in kills was really nice as well. Uh, not a name that we expected to see a lot of, I think, at this point in the year. But we were really doing a good job of getting her involved and playing to some of her offensive strengths. Uh, a lot of which involves attacking from the middle and uh, hitting straight down, basically. Uh, I mean, she's very, very tall. And, I mean, you want as uh, steep an angle as you possibly can get mm -hmm. uh, when you're attacking. And so she's able to get some uh, angles that work pretty well for her, especially on a, a short set. Uh, she doesn't want the ball up in the air for very long. She wants it in there as, in the air for as little time as possible. Yeah. So Because she doesn't need the additional air. She's mm -hmm. literally just yeah. going to eyeball it. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't really need it. But it was um, what should have been an even bigger win for K-State. Uh, was still really good. Uh, there's there's still not a, a ton to complain about here. Like it's, it should have been more. Yeah, we definitely let them back in it a few times where it was definitely self inflicted errors and us not playing uh, up to the standard that we should have. Especially because you were nicer to West Virginia than I would have been. They're not a very good volleyball team, and they really haven't been for a while, <laughs> save for a couple of outlier years. Uh, but. They're they're well below 500. They're almost certainly going to finish significantly below 500 because uh, they're already six and nine, and I imagine that's only going to get worse as they face uh, more and more conference opponents. Uh, but still, going on the road um, in any sport to win an, to win in any sport on the road is difficult, no matter who the opponent is. Uh, we know how difficult it is to win on the road in the Big 12 in a lot of different sports, no matter who the opponent is and how good they are. So going on the road, that's a good win. Uh, Kind of a weird setting for volleyball as well. It really helps put in perspective how nice it is to have a volleyball-specific arena yeah. now, especially because we were playing in Bramlage, and we already knew that wasn't a great place to play for volleyball. But West Virginia, they play in their basketball facility for volleyball as well, and it was just dead quiet. There were multiple times where somebody would score, and there would be zero reaction. Yeah, all. And you and I, every time that would happen, we just kind of look at each other like, and they didn't have commercial breaks set up properly. Yeah. So you got multiple minutes of just kind of staring at the court. Yeah. So it was definitely um, um, leads um, us as K-State fans to be pretty grateful for the volleyball arena and also for the broadcasting crew, uh, Brian Smoller and company and K-State HD. They do such an incredible job. Like We are spoiled completely uh, by having them uh, run the broadcast just because of how high quality it is. It's the best uh, in-house production in the entire country, uh, bar none, I would say. Yeah. Especially based on all the other 
schools that we've watched. We've seen. Granted, there's some that are doing better now. Like Baylor is significantly improved from what they used to be because they used to be utterly awful. But they're trying now, at least. <laughs> uh, but K State's production is just so 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 good. I also want to throw out an additional shout out to Mackenzie Morris, who's every single dig she had this game seemed like a borderline miracle dig. <laughs> yeah, she definitely saved a few that she had no business saving. Uh, and she did a really great job. Casey, in general, did a really great job of making West Virginia run around defensively, uh, like chickens with their heads cut off. Yeah. Uh, we were doing a great job of knowing when to hit with power. Uh, but we also did a great job of picking the defense apart and hitting uh, less hard, but with really great accuracy at times as well. There, we knew when to go down the line. We knew when to go cross court. We knew when to just hit ball hard. And uh, yeah. we were very effective uh, in that regard. Uh, it was a really clinical win uh, offensively for K-State. Again, should have been by more, but... I'm just happy that we can have some positive stuff to talk about with them. We take sweeps. We'll take sweeps. The next matches are up against Cincinnati in Manhattan. Uh, that is the Spikes and Seltzers game and the youth team game. Spikes and Seltzers, I believe, was a $25 ticket. I think it's already expired by now. Almost certainly. Shame. But uh, then we go back-to-back up against Baylor, number 18 in the country, Baylor, down in Waco. That'll be a tough one, but I think it'll be a good barometer to kind of see exactly where we are. Uh, We will go, oh my goodness, there will be four consecutive games where we are playing someone who is ranked or receiving votes. Baylor twice, Iowa State, and then UCF. So it'll be, sorry, I just looked at where BYU is ranked. (laughs) I did not know that they were that good at volleyball. Oh, they're very good. I didn't know KU was ranked 19. I didn't actually know that. <laughs> I, I figured Texas was ranked top 10. So we're learning today yeah. about rankings in volleyball. <laughs> but yeah, the, the important ones for now is going to be Cincinnati and Baylor. That'll be the ones between our next episode. Hey, Connor, you want to talk about the soccer team? Not particularly, but we did play, so we should talk about them. Yeah, that's kind of my stance on it, too. We lost up against Oklahoma State 2-0. Granted, Oklahoma State was a very good squad, still is. They were 9-2 going into this game, undefeated in conference play. It gets really difficult to talk about this team because... Even when they lose, they lose in like such unremarkable and frustrating ways that it makes it somewhat difficult to talk about. Yeah, I mean, this the stat line kind of looks like what you would see from I don't know. Let me think about the best way to word this. Like a team that's like in the top 10 of the premier league not like pushing for uh um league title or anything like that but like they're looking at maybe europa league so like in the fifth place range uh versus a team that's like probably not going to get relegated but they might like like they're they're going to finish like 15th or 16th and kind of uh wipe the sweat off their brow uh with relief at the end of the year. That's kind of what the stat line looks like, basically, with K-State being, of course, on the bad end. Uh, 
Oklahoma State had 21 shots, uh, seven on goal. KC had nine. They put three on goal. Uh, allegedly, we had a few hit off the crossbar, which is really tough. It kind of just seems to be the way the cookie's crumbling this year. Yeah. Uh, corner kicks were fairly even. Uh, Oklahoma State had five. We had four. Uh, we fouled more, but not a ton anyways. We had eight fouls. Oklahoma State had two. Um, we expected to not win this game, but nothing unexpected here. Uh, just kind of uh, reluctant acceptance, I guess, is maybe the best way to uh, put how this game went. Uh, not a lot to really write home about. Uh, just we didn't play well. We didn't deserve to win, and we certainly didn't win. <laughs> Oklahoma State is a really good team, and they beat us by a respectable score. And we were able to get some shots off, even though we didn't score. Uh, and this game went about exactly as it should have gone, which is uh, Oklahoma State was the better team. They mostly controlled. We had a few quality chances, but didn't make anything of them. Yeah. That's that's, that's like a AI-generated game script right there. And you want to say the exact same thing for the TCU game? Because it, they, they also beat us 2-0. Yeah, that's very interesting that you say that. <laughs> yeah, which K-State... Did not get a shot on target in this game. Only five shots total. TCU had 15, total six on goal. Uh, TCU had 11 corner kicks. KC had just one. Uh, TCU scored fairly early. Uh, we In the 13th minute and then the 78th minute. So they scored early and they scored late. Uh, then we had 12 fouls to TCU's three. This is a really talented TCU team again. Uh, again kind of wanted out of this trip for us to score a goal and said I think we lost every match 2-0 which at least we are consistent but it was uh, again pretty disappointing road slate here at Oklahoma at Oklahoma State and then at TCU to not at least score at some point TCU is a good team but yeah I would have liked to at least get a shot on target here but Pretty unremarkable, uninspiring performance. Uh, statistically worse uh, than our match against Oklahoma State, uh, who's probably the better team. Uh, but not a lot to say about this match, really. K-State, in the bit I was able to watch, I wasn't able to watch all of this match, but in the bit I was able to watch, we just looked outmatched. TCU looked better than we did, and they possessed most of the time. And when we had the ball, we tried to counter, and we generally weren't able to finish. And that's kind of going to be our MO, I think, when we're facing most Big 12 teams, is we're going to be a counterattacking team that just hopes that we can kind of stumble our way into a counterattacking goal uh, because we just don't really have the experience right now to really put together much more than that. We're going to have to hope we get a fortuitous set-piece goal uh, or hope we put together a counterattack because sustained offense just isn't going to really do a whole lot for us right now. And... I just don't think we're really capable of it. Uh, we have a lot more underclassmen than I thought we did. Because uh, like twenty-five on the roster. Yeah, I think it's like twenty-five underclassmen or something like that. And like three seniors, uh, much younger team than I thought we had. Considering last year we had a bit of an older team, uh, but we're getting a allegedly this is a wave of really good players. There's been if there's upside to draw from so far this year is that we do look more athletic. We look faster as a team than we have because we used to look very slow and we certainly don't look slow 
for the most part, we're still not as fast as some other teams, but we're definitely not comically slow. No, we're not. We're slower, but we're not yeah. slow. Yeah, we, we've made some gains uh, in the athletes on our team, but this year is just it's going to be a growing year at this point. I think that's what we're going to kind of have to write off this season as right now. We're 2-7-3. and three. We're yet to win a conference game. We may not this year. Yeah, I. it's also been two weeks since we last scored a goal. Yeah, it's been a bit since we scored. And I, I happen to like scoring. I think scoring's fun. Uh, I don't really have much else to say, I guess, right. other than we're going to go on the road to BYU and probably lose by, like, 20. So, But before then, we do have Baylor and Houston at home. Uh, Baylor's a Sunday game. Houston is a Thursday game. It's $2 day. $2 day, I should say, which I think means, um, like, sodas, waters, I think like nachos, hot dogs maybe. Hot dogs tend to. Be, I don't think they tend. Uh, we'll click what? the link. It'll probably say. Oh yeah. We have technology. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in advance. Oh, and select concessions. So it's probably like water, hot dogs, water, hot dogs, yeah, stuff like that. So Something thereabouts. There's stuff that you'll be able to get at the game for two dollars, and it'll be seven p.m. on a Thursday. I don't know. Hang out there if you want. It's a solid park. Yeah, it's a fun park. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, it's followed by BYU West Virginia. Golly, that's brutal. Anyway, <laughs> that is the actual news segment. Now, of course, we have everyone's favorite, which is the wacky segment of the week. This week's question, if every single school in the country was sent to a random conference, except for one, and you get the choice of which school stays... Right where they are, who are you picking? Um, how about you go first? You see, there are, there are a few things that went into my mind here. Uh, I didn't want to pick any schools that have like an in-state rivalry because the chances of them getting separated were too high. So that actually took out a lot of rivals for me. Then I just started going towards, you know what, who do I think would be funny if they stayed in their conference? And you know what I'm going to do? Guess who's going to be locked into the Big 12 after wanting to leave for so long? Is that Texas? It's Texas. Texas is getting locked into the Big 12 while everything else shuffles around them. I hope they enjoy it, and I hope that the Big 12 gets a really screwy roll just because of that fact. This is punishment for their hubris. See, that actually would be really funny, I think. I think that was a fantastic pick. Um, I was thinking along the lines of just who do I identify most with a conference that's not the SEC because I don't care about the SEC. Um, And to me, I ended up with Michigan and the Big Ten. I think that they are a pretty good embodiment of the Big Ten. Uh, To me, they feel like a very uh, uppity school that goes dormant in the winter and uh, is uh, and definitely looks down their nose at other schools, despite also being in Michigan. And so it's it's an interesting school. I think they fit the Big Ten dynamic pretty well of being very overvalued. <laughs> um, but that I didn't think too hard about it. Um, I did kick the tires on Texas also because I thought it would be funny, but that wasn't going to be my pick anyways. Um, 
uh, there were there would be some that would have been funny to do in the past, like keep Miami in the Big East. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like like refuse to let them leave. I think that would be funny. Uh, but that ship has sailed for most schools like that. So. Keep Tulane in the SEC. That would be pretty funny. Or uh, uh, some of the some of those like really small colleges. Uh, I can't remember any of them right now, but there were some pretty small schools. Uh, that found their way into conferences at various points or another. So, uh, University of Chicago was the founding member, one of the founding members of the Big Ten. Yeah, so that would be fun to have the University of Chicago still in the Big Ten and unable to be removed. Uh, so, <laughs> you're trapped now, boyos. <laughs> yeah, so there, there, there's some funny options there. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Uh, I'm glad this was a slightly better week for. Uh, um, the non-revenues and the not-football sports. Yeah, uh, we had two pretty brutal weeks. Yeah, but this was a, a better week. Yep. So, with that all being said, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. If you want to contact or follow the show, you can follow us just about anywhere at Aggieville Acats. If you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I'm at acedward 0 I am at Connor Balthazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alleycats merch store, where you can find such designs as established Alleycats and the classic neon Alleycats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alleycats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.